thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstamper. There's some really cool things happening at Grace Church, and I'm glad to be able to be a part of it. We're going to be hosting a neighborhood block party soon, and even more exciting than that is a baptism celebration. Now, we share this podcast and all of these announcements with you in the hopes that we might be able to meet you someday and celebrate what God is doing in your life. Now, I'm grateful for the technology that's bringing my voice to your ears right now. I'm glad we can listen in together on the messages that we wrestle with on Sunday mornings. But our worship gathering is an experience that you can't download automatically. See, podcasts are good. But God moves in special ways when his people are gathered together in his spirit around his word. So let me invite you to join us this Sunday. Our worship gathering starts at 10 a.m. And you'll find everything you need to plan your visit at ocalagrace.org slash about. Now, Pastor Todd McQueen is going to continue our stressed series. Last week, we took a long, hard look at how we use our time, and in closing, Pastor Todd noted that one-third of our time is sleeping. From a modern perspective, that seems like such a waste. We invented the third shift so that the engine of progress could run non-stop. But we all have to face the fact that God has hardwired our bodies to need rest. What does that teach us about our culture? What does that teach us about ourselves? Most importantly, what does that teach us about God and who He is? Let's listen in together. Well, good morning, church. We continue our stress series this morning, and last week we talked about our time, and this Sunday, we're going to talk about God's time. And remember, as we went through the chart that's on the screen in front of you about what is typically happening in somebody's life between the ages of 24 and 54 who have children at home. And to see the pie chart where it has all these things a typical American does. Caring for others, eating and drinking, household activities, other 1.5. That's a lot. That we do. How many of you, if somebody say, hey, what are you doing next Tuesday at 3.30 or next Wednesday at 9 at night? I mean, you're trying to figure out on your busy schedule when you can fit something in. How many schedules are completely full, whether it's on the calendar at home or if it's on the computer? It's, oh, yes, it is. It is jam-packed. And so what the idea of our time last week, instead of trying to come up with another segment for what we're going to do for God in that time, is to do all of our time for God, to not add another wedge into this. And as we finished last week, I finished talking about the sleeping. And as I talked with the little kids, sleeping. If anybody here been through a segment of life where they were severely deprived of sleep, Yes. Now, they say that drunk drivers and those driving without sleep are pretty close the same. Health professionals say, if you don't get enough sleep, something is going to happen. This entire series has been either do you have stress or rest. And when you don't get enough sleep, you can really get stressed. 
I know that uh, when I don't get enough sleep, I can be irritable and grouchy at absolutely nothing besides the idea that I didn't get enough sleep. I've always wanted to be that guy who only needed like three and a half, four hours of sleep and can go strong. No, I am definitely not that. But we all have to sleep. Why? We can't. There is a time in our life when we have to stop. God has wired us that way. Because no matter how good you are at any given job, you run out of sleep, you're not going to perform well. So this morning we're going to talk about resting, sleeping, not necessarily sleeping, but taking a time to cease, a time to rest. And we have to set aside and guard that time when God says, stop what you're doing and pay attention to me. Not only do we have to set it aside, make it a part of our calendar, a part of our schedule, but then we got to guard it. Got to set it aside, and then we have to guard our time with Jesus. Now, as we apply this idea this morning, just think about this. Most of the world's religions are around a special location. They have a sacred space. Islam has Mecca. Hinduism has the Ganges River. Shintoism has the island of Japan. But God, although they had Jerusalem in the temple, was unique in that there was sacred time. Sacred time. Not just a sacred space, but just sacred time. So move with me this morning to Exodus. We'll start right in the beginning. Genesis, then Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. It'll be in page 49. If you'd like to follow along this morning and have a, one of the story Bibles, I'd be more than willing to give, him, give you one. We're on page 49. Exodus chapter 20, verses, verse 8 through 11. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no, you shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We're number four of what most people think of as the Ten Commandments. And God said, remember, here's how you love me, and here's how you love one another. One of the criteria for how do you love God is spelled T-I-M-E, our greatest asset. So let's take a journey this morning and discover how we do that today. It's absolutely true. You will not hear us teach that everybody in this room has to take every Saturday off and dedicate it to God. But expect the question from anybody, what time did you set apart for God? The principle still applies. God wants your time. The hard part of this sermon this morning is that you have to decide. It's all up to you. God's saying, I want my time with you. And you have to give it. I cannot travel with you this week. I really enjoy traveling with Miss Deb. 
But there is times in, the, in her life where I'm, I had to ask her, when did you spend time with just this? So expect the people in the church family to ask, how, how do you apply the fourth commandment? How do you literally work this out? Remember that always observe, always observe this without laughs, without any time breaks. God says, keep my special time, the Sabbath. Choose to remember it. Keep it in mind. Pay close attention. Set aside time. This means you've got to participate. You've got to mark it on the calendar. You've got to set aside time for this. You have to be proactive. God doesn't say, hey, set aside time for me and wait. Well, you should, I'm going to make it happen. You have to be proactive. We have to fight against letting the busyness of our schedule push God to the side. If it's anything that as Americans we are really good at is being professional busy people. In fact, take out your calendar and set aside time for God now. Pull out a community card on there and mark, just be thinking about that. When is it? Then once you set it apart, make it holy is what holy means. Set apart, distinct, special for God. We all do this, though. For those in your room who are married, if you do not recognize the special, holy, set-apart time called anniversary, gentlemen, Those with kids, if you do not keep in mind, set apart, remember that this is special called a kid's birthday and you forget it, you're in trouble. We do this all the time, especially at work. Let your supervisor forget that it's your day off or forget that it's payday and that's special and it's holy and it's distinct and it's important to you. You're there in trouble. We do this. We just don't like when God says, do this for me. To reset the routine to a new normal by making that scheduled appointment with God. By the way, this is an all of God's law. All of God, God says, here's how you love me. He says, why do you do this? So those who are watching are going to ask you why. When you teach your kids. When those who are in your household say, why do you do this every week, blah, blah, whatever time. Let's just say you do it at 6 a.m. from 6 a.m. to 7. Your family says, why do you do that every morning? Oh, this is a time I set apart from God. Or why do you do this every Saturday from blah to blah? Or whenever you do and God decide to do this, do it in such a routine way that people watch and notice, the kids, the family, the neighbor. Because God set the example. He set us part a day at creation. He ceased or he stopped or he took rest. He set the example. See, God didn't run out of energy talking when he created, but he ceased, took time to look and say, whoa. If you just spoke the Grand Canyon into existence, would you step back and say, whoa. So remember, set it apart. How do you love God? Remember his time. Set it apart. Then guard it. Let's move to Exodus chapter 31. It's on page 57 in your story Bible. Exodus chapter 31. Verse, we'll start in verse 12. 
Because God has some clear expectations for the Sabbath. Exodus 31, starting in verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days... You Work shall be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath through their generation as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel, in that six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. God has incredibly clear expectations on how to love him written by his own finger. Do you ever get frustrated at work because the supervisor hasn't made the expectations really clear and then comes to you saying, why didn't you do this? Well, God literally on a piece of stone wrote whatever it was, cursive or God, cool language, whatever font God uses. Take time for me. Love me by taking time for me. He set his clear expectations. God said, set aside time for me throughout all your generations. It's important to me, therefore it's important to my spouse, and therefore it's important to my family. So remember this morning that God has rescued his people from Egypt. He has redeemed them from Egypt. It's a day that they can set aside to say, thank God that he saved me from Egypt. Same with us. Take time to say, God, you saved me, me. You're working in my life to do what you do. And look at verse 13. Not only is it said in here twice, if you break the Sabbath, you die. Capital punishment for breaking the Sabbath. But look at verse 13. Why? At the end that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. What in the world is he saying? Taking time apart for God is God's way of working in your life because you've given something incredibly valued to him, and he's working you in, in your life to make you more and more like him. If you want to follow Jesus and be more like Jesus, it's going to cost time. I guarantee you, if we could sell quote-unquote, becoming more like Jesus in $100 increments, we could get a lot more Benjamins than we could time on calendars. To become more like Jesus, he wants your time. He says, the purpose of the Sabbath is that I want to work in your life. It's going to take proactive mindset to be ready for the day off, to be ready to take a break. Keep the time holy, special, distinct. Watch and guard over it. Because when there's unmet expectations, God is really clear. If you profane it, which means take something that is holy and use it for a common purpose. If you profane your wife's china, is because you took it out for the dog dish outside for them. She would go ballistic. Why is my china 
out there with the dog dishes. That is not designed for that. Same thing God's saying, take what is special for me for holy purposes and use it that way. Treat it like fine china. Why is God so serious about this? Because it's basically about worship. Worship costs. You want to show God he is worthy. What an incredible gift to give him as your time set apart, that you've set it apart and you've guarded it, that is incredibly valuable to you. How you worship God is how you take your Sabbath time, your rest, your recharge time, your time set apart from God. Now, Sunday counts corporately. I really, really enjoy this time. And it's easy in the fact that you can set your calendar for Sunday at 10 a.m. And when you don't show up for a couple weeks, I can say, well, they haven't been here in a couple weeks. I should call. I should find out what's going on. That's, I like that. It counts corporately. It counts for the group. This is when the group comes together, sets apart valuable time for God every week. Here's the hard part. God wants individual time, too. For he's going to work one-on-one with you. And who checks that? Who in your life has the authority to come to you and say, when did you take Sabbath this week? Where was God's time? Just for you and God. The time where you can take that cell phone and shut it down and shove it to the side? Now, I have some great insight, you know, ideas. Shut off the cell phone as you're commuting to work. Maybe that could be your time that is solely dedicated for God. I'm not answering the cell phone. I'm not listening to Fox News or whatever you listen to or NPR. This is my God time. Or however you are set up. But then who is in your life that can come in next week and say, man, I'm really glad to see you Sunday. It's been cool to share our time together on Sunday. And as we go to uh, somewhere on Saturday for the ladies down at home. But the hard part is who's in your life that says, where did you take Sabbath? Where did you find time with just God this week? So let's look at a case study. Move to Numbers chapter 15. It's on page 100. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 15, and we'll study a case study real quick. I need to turn there too. Numbers chapter 15, verse 32. Through 36, page 100. While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because he had not been, it had not been made clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, The man shall be put to death. And all the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with death with stones as the Lord commanded him. If anything about this case study is God is serious about his Sabbath. How many of you, when you read this story, are like, God, you're taking it a little too far? 
All I did is go out in the backyard and pick up a couple sticks when God said, take time. How many of you thought that when you read it this week? When you're going through the Bible reading guide, like, God, that's a little drastic. But if anything about this case study is that God takes it seriously. It's not about the guy getting sticks. It's about when he's gathering sticks. Because I guarantee you he had a reason to gather sticks. It was a good idea to gather sticks. He probably had a good reason to gather the sticks. But what he didn't do was be proactive to get ready for the Sabbath. If he needed the sticks to get a fire going to have lunch or whatever he was doing, he didn't do this the day before. He allowed the busyness of life to catch him off guard, so he robbed God of his time. He wasn't ready for it. Notice that not only is God incredibly serious, but who participates in the discipline? We might get a little, we could be upset at the beginning and say, God, you took that a little too serious and you called for the death penalty. But who did the disciplining in the text? Look at your Bibles. Did God do it? God, God could have just like bugs zappered him like one of them where the flies run into it that Robbie and I loved. You just sit there and they're entertaining. No, no, who did the disciplining? The community did it. God's really serious, and he wants the community to do the discipline. If it's one thing about raising kids, when the older ones, the younger ones see the older ones get in trouble, you think they might catch on to that? Some do quicker than others. But us as a quote-unquote adults see somebody else getting disciplined for something, are we wise enough to pick up on it? Friends, this kind of discipline, yes, capital punishment, was mitigated by God's people. They came to God's, what do we do? And he said, kill them. No, you do it. Who's the lesson for? The stick gatherer? Why is it in your text? Huh? It's for the community, and you're sitting here. You're reading over the shoulder of an obituary column of some guy who died by picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Why? Whoa. God's serious about it. And not only is he serious about it, he wants the leadership to take serious what God takes seriously. So if the leadership does discipline in the local church and you're sitting there watching, not only does the leadership have to do discipline with that individual, but for everybody who's watching. Take 20 kids out on the playground and you let one get away with all that stuff forever and you try to discipline the other one, what's he going to say? Okay, you're riding down 75 south. Everybody's doing 95 miles an hour in their big rig. You're running 72 and a 70. And the cop pulls you over. What's the first thought in your head, Jack? Those guys are going faster than me. We want... To see the discipline done fair in our community. God says, do the work of following me by loving me with your time in community, and you're going to have to discipline yourselves. And when the leadership is called to do this, imagine Moses and Aaron go to the meeting, and God said, what do you want us to do? Kill him. Oh. Then they had to go back and say, oh, we got to stone the guy. Y'all pick up some stones. So imagine throwing the first stone, God's serious. 
while God is serious, we have to not make the rule trump the ruler. It's a very important principle to follow. I think I have made the case for that this morning. Let's not make the rule bigger than the ruler. Turn with me to Mark chapter 2. It's on page 694. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23. Page 694. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23. On one Sabbath, he was walking through the grain fields, and as they made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Jesus, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of even the Sabbath. So picture this. Jesus is on the Sabbath, and he's got these incredibly good rule-keeping knowers of the law, teachers of the law, watching him. And they're walking through the grain field, and they get some wheat, and they're eating. That's the scene. So they're walking through doing that, and they begin to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees look, and they say to Jesus, look, hey, those guys are breaking the law. They're breaking the Sabbath. Now, what they had done is, when God says, hey, I'm really, really serious about keeping the Sabbath, they had 39 classes of work that you weren't allowed to do. Just to make sure we don't mess up by working on the Sabbath, we'll add more rules to it to make sure you're safe, Miss Joan. You can only click three channels on a Saturday. Robbie, you can only turn a half-inch wrench four times on a Saturday, then you're good. They came up with all these rules. In fact, you were only allowed to walk 1,999 paces, so you weren't on a journey. Do you see what they're doing? The rule is getting to be so important that they had all these little rules underneath it, and you weren't allowed to harvest on a Sabbath either. So obviously, by walking through somebody's garden when you're starving to death, and you reach down and get you a tomato or a cantaloupe, and you eat it, or a grape as you're walking through, and you get you a grape and you eat it, obviously you're harvesting. So they are watching Jesus. Jesus Is Jesus serious about the Sabbath? Why is Jesus serious about the Sabbath? Because it was in his font that he wrote, here's how you love me. So Jesus knows this. So I love what Jesus does. He says, all right, fellas, let's take a look at a case study. 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 6. You don't have to turn there. I'll just summarize. David is on the run from Saul. Young David gets anointed king. The previous king, Saul, is not too happy about that. And he wants to kill him. So you got the desert fox era of David's life before he becomes king. 
and Saul is hunting him down. Some of the most beautiful Psalms of David hiding out when God, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be king and this guy wants to kill me. So he's on the run. He's the man on the run. He's the fox on the run in the wilderness and he's hungry. He and his men are hungry. So they come running in and what? If you're hungry and there's something in the temple, what is always at the temple? Bread. So David runs in and gets him some bread. He eats it. And he gives it to the fellas. But wasn't that bread special? Wasn't it supposed to be set apart only for used at the temple at that time? It wasn't just Oak Brand 43 from Aldi's? Or whatever you guys buy. No, this was really incredibly special bread. So Jesus is making the point. David comes in and eats the bread. Jesus is not saying... This is circumstantial. He was extra hungry. He was allowed to eat it. No, who came in? Who came? Who went? In, who went in and got it? David. Who's David? He's the king. Jesus says, "I am the king." You're asking me if what I'm doing on the Sabbath is okay? I kind of created it. Because the text doesn't say anything in seeing about David, about David eating it. And Jesus is going back saying, David ate it. It's not about right and wrong for David. It's who David is. He's the king. Jesus said, I am the king. I am the Lord of this. So his application is, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is there to help you have time for God. It is a tool that God is incredibly serious about for you having a relationship with him. Man came first, then came the Sabbath. It is a way of sanctifying you or helping you have your relationship and growing with Jesus because you have set aside distinct time to choose to follow God. But choosing to set aside time for God shouldn't be worshipped more than the one you're worshipping. Listen, if you come to Sunday morning because you love the thought of Sunday morning being incredibly special and you're worshipping Sunday more than you're worshipping Jesus, you got it wrong. Don't worship the idea of taking time for God more than the time that you're actually spending with God. For instance, you set aside 6 a.m. or 4.30 in the morning to 5.30 in the morning is just God time. You're 43 cycles into doing this. It's now a habit. You're into it. But when you choose to make the time that you've devoted for God more important than learning about him, you've just made it an idol. Are you tracking with me? Don't take the good the Sabbath, and make it greater than the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus wants you, and this is a tool to helping you get to be more and more like him. Worship the ruler, not the rule. And in closing, turn to Matthew chapter 11, page 676.
And if we talk through this series about either being stressed or being finding rest, these particular verses are so sweet. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Because Jesus is the reason for God's time. Look at verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we can carve out time and call it God's time. We can take solid steps to enrich our faith, and we should. We can remember to guard our time that we set apart for Jesus, but remember that Jesus is the reason for that time. In Jesus, we have that time so we can find rest. For we can give time to God and call it good. But in all things, especially for Jesus, find rest, not stress. Don't make the God time more stressful. Because coming to, if Jesus is the reason for your time, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. If you're traveling across the Ocala National Forest and you run out of water and somebody says, here is a beautiful, cold, crystal clear bottle of water. Like, no, I'm enjoying my parchedness. No, it's you, you grab that and just drink it down. Our life is so jam-packed. There are so many stressors that come after us. The time with Jesus is that sweet time of rest. Yes, you're going to have to be proactive in finding it, but when you get there and you dedicate that for him, he's going to meet you in there because he promised, come to me and I will give you rest. What is the Sabbath? Rest. Jesus is that. Yoke up with him. Pull the load with him. Especially when it comes to time management. See, Jesus is where we can find rest for our souls in the midst of the chaos of life during a clock that never stops ticking. There is a time to rest. And we recognize it when we don't have sleep. Why is Jesus the most important thing of the, of the Sabbath? Because you're going to have to rest eventually. You're going to have to sleep. If your job is to guard the gate, and somebody says, Don, you guard the gate. You got it 24-7. You do good for the first 16-hour shift. What do you got to do then after day four? They say, here, Rodlin, here's your job for the next seven days, and I want you to take care of it. You got it 24-7. Somewhere in there, you're going to have to sleep. God has said, I want you to live for me every day, 24-7. And somewhere in there, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sleep. Why? God says, I got this eight-hour shift. Are we so prideful that we think, I'm not going to take rest because I got it all figured out, God? Now, Jesus is the same today. is so serious about taking his rest. You're taking rest time because he says, give me time 
so I can work out more of the details because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of our life. We're eventually going to have to rest. Whatever's going on in stressor in your life, if you run after that 24-7 and it's robbing you of sleep, robbing you of everything else, eventually you're going to have to fall out and say, Jesus, you got to get it. Are we running on spiritual rest empty like we're running on two hours of sleep after a 14-day binge of running without any, hardly any sleep and we're saying, God, I got this? One of my mentors gave me an assignment when I first started pastoring. Here's all it was, and I thought it was the easiest assignment I've ever received. Spend one half of a day, one time a month with God only, no cell phone. He said, if you do not do this, I will not mentor you. Oh my, that's easy. Half a day, once a month, and I get to assign my schedule. I'm here to tell you it's the hardest. There is always something that comes up to come into that time. To set aside, to turn off a cell phone for half a day? Or to block out time? On this particular day is my rest. This is my retreat. This is my Sabbath time with God. And Michael and Ryan are allowed to ask me, how did that go? And I'll tell Ms. Deb before I leave, because I got a special place that I go. It's my getaway spot. My phone blows up on the way there. There are incredibly valid reasons to skip it. I'm not trying to be the hero of the story because there's been a month I missed and my mentor said, you do that again, you're gone. He's that serious about it. I'm just saying, however, get at home, get with the family, get with those who where you can do this and say, honey, spouse, friend, accountability partner, I really need to do this. I need to learn to give God some time. When are we going to do it? How am I going to do it? Here's when I'm going to do it. Will you make sure that at least ask me about it every other week or so and make sure I'm doing this? Or take your community card now and fill out, here's when I'm, here, my Sabbath equals my rest equals my time with God equals. And write that in there this morning. Because eventually, your spiritual tank will run dry. So we got to set aside and guard our time with Jesus. Set it aside today. And guard it. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you'd like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.